It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Podcast Network, I'm Dana Perino, and everything will be okay. Welcome back to another episode of Everything Will Be Okay. My guest this week has experienced the whirlwind effects of instantaneous success following years of hard work, disappointment, and dedication. JT Harding is a country music songwriter for country greats like Keith Urban, Darius Rucker, Blake Shelton, Dirks Bentley, to name a few. JT's recent success comes after years of what he calls hard luck. JT's memoir, Party Like a Rockstar is available now. All right, JT, I Whoa. had an opportunity to talk to Walker Hayes before I talked to you. He's a poet. He's a poet. Oh, my gosh. But anyway, he's a big fan of yours. And I also gave him a couple lines that maybe he can use in songs. I didn't mean to. It's just like they just came out. And it goes, oh, I like that. I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> it just happens. That sounds like one of the songs right there. I like that. I feel like I, I like could just that. be like in a songwriting session with you guys that would be fun obviously i need to have a second life so i can do that um <laughs> exactly carrie underwood doesn't need the competition if you're on the scene <laughs> all right Dana oh yeah of course well I, I mean i would never sing but i could maybe i could maybe write i have aspirations to figure that but out anyone, one day but if any but if anyone listening wants to hear dana sing i put dana singing summer love in on my instagram from our listening room show i saw you looking at your husband while you were singing it <laughs> i'm so embarrassed uh it was one line everybody it was one line um jt you wrote an amazing book party like a rock star I loved this book before it was born. Um, I heard you at the listening room tell all these stories. And the reason I really wanted to talk to you on the Everything Will Be Okay podcast is because you've had this incredible life. I encourage everyone to read the book. Um, and you said something the other day that there is magic in the climb. And yes. when we talk to people here about um, their careers and um, figuring out life along the way, the one thing I try to tell them is that don't be in such a hurry. It'll all work out. It'll all be okay. But when you're going through it, when you're younger, you don't realize that. Absolutely not. And I've been having so many fun interviews and people keep saying, what would you tell yourself if you could go back and change things? And I think the one that comes to mind, I would tell myself just to relax, no pun intended, but sincerely, everything will be okay because I was so anxious and I wanted a break so bad. I wanted someone to discover me. And it's kind of like the old saying, stop and smell the roses. I I didn't know anyone in the music business, as you know. I grew up in Detroit. I loved watching MTV. I wanted to crawl inside the TV, so I moved out to Los Angeles. And I was in such a hurry, but I got a job at a record store. I made my first demo tape with money I won on VH1 Rock and Roll Jeopardy, as you know. And I think I would have just told myself just to relax a little bit because I couldn't become a good songwriter until I had all of these life experiences to write about. Right. And you had mentors along the way, but... It wasn't always like a formal mentorship. Like in a way, I think you, you were. Um, well, let's go back. You were a personal assistant to a heavy metal star. Is that the way to put that? And yes, yes. We don't say his name because if we say it three times, he'll appear in a puff of smoke, and yeah, we don't want. That. We don't want that. Um, but in a way, he was a mentor to you. 
Absolutely. I would. So I had a record deal. I always had mentors along the way, people that believed in me, but things would just fall through. It's just the entertainment business. You know, this business has broken my heart more than the uh, McDonald's ice cream machine gets broken. But I, I always had people that believed in me, but things would fall through. So my record deal fell through. And so I didn't want to go back to the record store. So I started working for this wild rock star. But I would watch how he put on his show, the costume changes, the detail he put into the songs. That led me to another job working for the great band Linkin Park. Six guys in that band, all shooting arrows at the same target. They worked so hard. They met all their fans. They worked on their songs. They stayed in shape during the day so their shows could be great. And I just would take notes, mental notes, just learning the whole way. Oh, this is how you do it. You have to work really, really hard. So it all really inspired me. And you made mistakes. Oh, a million mistakes. And that's what I tell young songwriters. You have to write so many bad songs to actually get to a good one. Oh, I made tons of mistakes. You know, I, I borrowed a FedEx jacket to sneak into record companies so I could put my demo tape in all the uh, mailboxes. And I always say to people, if you think that didn't get me noticed, uh, you're wrong. The cops were after me for weeks. But well-behaved women don't make history and uh, neither do well-behaved songwriters. <laughs> um I've read your book, Danny. You know how it is. You got you to do anything you can. Yeah, that's interesting. So you did read Everything Will Be Okay. What did you, I can't remember, what did you say you learned about it? Learned one from of the it. Things, or, or it may have been your first book. One of the things I loved when you said, send thank you notes, which I do, yeah. handwritten thank you notes. Also, didn't you say one of the only things you have control over really is your own body? So Yeah, your uh, health. Your health. I always say your future self will thank you. I can't stand going to the gym, but I go. But I also think songwriting is like a muscle as well. I tell songwriters of all ages, or future hit makers, songwriting is like a muscle. You have to just keep working it and working it and you get better and better and better. You also. Um, now I want a dog, of course, thanks to all your books about all the dogs. Do you really? Sure. Yeah. Would you get <laughs> a dog a that dog. you could travel with? Ooh, that might be too small. I think I want a bigger dog. Yeah, I've never met a dog I didn't like. Uh, yeah, well, hey, that's a song title, maybe. Does it drive yeah. you crazy? What does everyone tell you? Oh, that'd be a good song. You should write that song. <laughs> they, they do. And now people, my friends are like, well, how do you deal with all these people that say they have a song? I say, well, I just try to give them advice. But now people are writing me, come up, coming up to me saying, oh, I like your book. And I have also written a book. Can you send oh, yes. for me? I'm like, oh, And I my. do think everybody could write a book. It's just like, as you know, JT, it was a lot of work. Like, Tell people the difference, what it was like to go from writing songs every day to then writing a longer form uh, book? Great question, Dana. I think all of my best songs are co-written. I've written number ones for Blake Shelton with Keith Urban, Smile with Uncle Cracker, number ones for Kenny Chesney, Jonas Brothers, Goo Goo Dolls. Those are always a team effort. There's a couple of writers. I surround myself with people more talented than I am. It sounds like a joke, but it's not. But writing a book, I did it by myself. My songs are about three minutes long because I want them to be hits. I want them to repeat and have catchy parts. But the book, I felt like I was a kid with a box of crayons at preschool and there weren't any parents telling me not to draw on the walls. There wasn't a time limit. I could just write about anything I wanted. And there was no one looking over my shoulder telling me what to do. I had you, of course, Dana cheering me on. But that was the difference. I, I just felt like it was a blank canvas and I could just write about anything. Also, my songs are very anonymous. I can write about breakups and makeups or anything I want and someone else is going to sing it. But the book was all me. So it was, you know, maybe hard times I've had with my family, although I've had a great life or people that actually, you know, girls that it didn't work out with or maybe an A&R guy that made me mad. It wasn't anonymous. My name was going to be on it. Here's the story. 
here are all the names. So that was the big difference. I kind of forgot the question, but it's a great Well, answer. I just the difference between songwriting and writing a song. And I wonder about, I, I always feel like writing a book, you know, as soon as you send that out, other people are going to judge your writing. And that is that makes me feel very vulnerable. I mean, I'm more confident now, but when that first book came out, I was very nervous. That's that's so true. That's the best word for it. I felt very vulnerable. Now that the book is out and I'm getting tons of messages and people love it, but leading up to it, I would definitely lie awake at night thinking I could have changed this. I could have changed that. But now I really love it. And there is someone from my high school walking around that I didn't even know saying, oh, these stories aren't even accurate. And I just want to say to him, you mean the stories about my life aren't accurate? <laughs> I said to him, I can't wait for your book. Is he there. still mad that you won the Battle of the Bands? He probably is. He probably is. <laughs> what was it like going home to Detroit and playing for a hometown crowd? It was absolutely fantastic. And two sold out shows. Everyone bought a book. They were all holding it up. And also the, the characters that have made up my life are all in the audience. The guy that gave my demo tape to Uncle Cracker, who I wrote Smile with. My brother, Lance, who is a star of the book. He goes by his uh, Native American name in the book, Dances with Budweiser's. And he was in the audience. All Everyone I knew was there. And it's fantastic. There's no place like home, as as the Wizard of Oz uh, line says. It was, it was fantastic. And I go back to Michigan all the time. But it's certainly fun to play with a band and play all these hit songs and see everyone singing along. If someone told me that years ago, I, I probably you know, wouldn't have believed him. Did, um, I asked you this at the event um, in Nashville and I kind of sprung the question on you. I did ask Walker Hayes as well uh, this question and he thought thinks there's really no difference um, writing songs for women or with women. Um, I should say, uh, write, I asked him about writing with uh, women and you also said that there really wasn't something that you thought was quite different. Well, I, I disagree now because when I when I write with uh, a lot when I write with guys all the time, there's a lot of like she had a t-shirt on and she's shaking her jeans, and there's songs <laughs> like that all over the radio that are gigantic. Don't forget beer. But, yeah, but I've noticed it. Yeah, don't forget beer. Uh, that's a song title. Don't forget the beer. But I've noticed now over the last year or so, and I'm all for it. Whenever there's a woman in the room, like a great songwriter, like Jesse Alexander, they always say, and maybe she didn't say this, but it's kind of like enough with all the t-shirts and, and the, and the short jeans. Can we talk about something different? That That's not really what we think when we're at home. And I love having a female perspective in the room because it does change that kind of stuff. Or even alone with you that I wrote with the number one I had with Jake Owen, I wrote with Kat Gravitt and Shane McAnally. Kat Gravitt thought we didn't go deep enough with the lyrics about, how hard it was to have someone come over that just wants to make out and then they leave. And so that was kind of the opposite of that. She said, we have to go you know, a little bit deeper with this. So I love writing with women. It gives a much different perspective. And you also, I mean, tell me about the background of different for girls, the song that Dirks Bentley cut. Yes. I met, I met a girl years ago who seemed great and was awesome and was fun. And we talked on the phone a bit. Then I ran into a friend of hers, a mutual friend, who said, oh, I know you've been talking to so-and-so. She's going through a really terrible breakup. And I was like, what? So the next time we spoke, I said to her, I hear you're going through a breakup, but you don't seem like that at all. And she said, well, what, what am I supposed to do? Just let myself go? She was a real estate agent. She said, what am I supposed to just not shower and play video games all day and not go to work? And I said, well, that's pretty much what my buddies and I do when <laughs> we go through breakups. So that was the seed to that song. And I was watching Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives one night and I just put it on mute and I picked up my guitar and I started strumming the idea. And I, I, whenever I have a good song idea, I save it for the best writers I know. 
My friend Shane McAnally was on my schedule. He's won Grammys. He had the show Songland. He's one of the best writers in town. So I took it to him and I said, you know, it's different for girls. Guys kind of, you know, pick fights and this and that. And Shane said, I know what you mean and you know what you mean, but we have to make sure the audience really gets it. And he came up with the line, when the going gets tough, the guys can just act tough. And it was like the glue that just solidified the whole idea. And we were off and running and Dirk Bentley and L King sang it. And they took it all the way to number one, number one. What's number it like one. when you first hear um, the official professional final cut of a song that you wrote? Oh, it just feels like there's mice running through your stomach. I'm so excited. What's it going to be like? People always ask me, are you ever disappointed when you hear the, the stars sing it? But I, I've never have been. It always sounds so professional and so great. It sounds sparkly like a real record. It's always exciting. And you get an email and they say, hey, don't play this for anybody yet. And then when you hear it on the radio, you're just heart. My heart skips a beat. It never gets old hearing a song you've written on the radio. It's just it's magic. It's the American dream come true. We'll be right back with more of this interview after this. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. In your book, you have a lot of advice for people who want to be in the songwriting business. And it is a business, um, and as well as an art. Maybe you could give a, piece of, a couple of pieces of, of advice for aspiring songwriters and would your advice be different for women who want to write in Nashville? Great question. My first piece of advice, if, if you want to be in country music, you have to get to Nashville. There isn't anybody successful in country music that isn't in Nashville. I can't think of one person. So one, get to Nashville. This is where they're making the records. This is where the best songwriters are. Also, one thing I learned is you have to co-write write with other people. It makes your songs better. You meet people that they know. And it just kind of, it's networking, but not, you know, some people think networking is a dirty word. It's not like that. But when we wrote Sangria, Kenny Chesney recorded it. Then he decided not to put it out. But another guy we wrote it with, his publisher that I didn't even know, got it to Blake Shelton. So it kind of, it it just kind of your, it broadens your whole network. I don't know how else to say it. And it also makes your songs better. And I would also say to uh, girls, in my humble opinion, I would just say stick together. I see these packs of girls, and I mean this in the best way, that are all working at the listening room that have all started writing songs together. And one of them has a hit. This girl, Priscilla Block, had a big hit. And all the people that she's writing with that I've never even heard of that all still have day jobs, now they're all getting songwriting deals because her entire album was w- written by her and all her friends. And I just think there's There's so many people, guys and girls, so many people trying to make it. I think if they just form these little teams together, they can all rise together. And that would be that would be my advice. Just stick together. Be open to co-writing. You never know. You could spend two hours with someone and write song of the year. You you have to show up. You never know who's going to have the next hit. And that's kind of the mystery and the magic that keeps you in love with songwriting, because you never know when you're going to just spend a few hours with someone and have a monster hit. Part of your book also focuses on your life story, and it is a story of adoption and of also finding uh, your your birth parents. And I think that it adds this dimension that I don't know if a lot of people knew that about you, 
um, in, in Nashville of the people that you know, um, but it was it's brave to write about it. And I think it also can help a lot of people because there is no greater love, in my opinion, than adoption. Absolutely. I, I say in my book, I was uh, brought into this world by a man and a woman who loved me so much that they decided to give me away. I feel like I was taken by the hand of God and given to Larry and Kendra Harding, my parents. I grew up in Gross Point. My dad was as tall as the Jurassic Park gates. Uh, he played football at Michigan State. He played pro football for a minute. He used to carry me around like a football. I don't remember that, but my mom would get mad at him. But they just encouraged me. I grew my hair long. I wore checkerboard pants. My dad would take me to concerts. They just encouraged me to be myself. Well, you got to tell people about your dad taking you to the Ozzy Osbourne concert. Yeah. My dad worked for a talk radio station connected to a rock station. So he would walk over, hey, it's Coach Larry, he would say, and he would trade the football tickets for concert tickets. We go to see Ozzy Osbourne with special guest Motley Crue. The concert tickets were so great. We were right down in front. There's explosions. People are throwing things. People are breaking guitars. Ozzy had bitten the head off the bat. This was in the 80s. The whole world was talking about him. This concert ends. The fillings in my teeth were shaking. It was so loud. My ears were ringing. My eyes had phosphanes in it from all the explosions. I look next to me. The, the, the floor is littered with shoes and bras and cups and lighters. There's confetti in my dad's salt and pepper hair that had come down from the ceiling. And my dad was sound asleep. So I had to nudge him. And I said, Dad, Dad, it's over. It's over. And he, he was like, what a bunch of wild animals. Yeah, so it was, it was fantastic. And he bought me the T-shirt and everything. And then when I was in my early 20s, I met my biological father. My biological mother told me that he was an actor on the show Cheers. And I knew I could tell by her voice that she wasn't lying. I was living in an LA, uh, LA at the time. And my brain went through the whole cast of Cheers. And I said, I'm rich. My biological father is Ted Danson. And she said, no, it's Jay Thomas, who at the time was a gigantic DJ in LA. And he was starring in Mr. Holland's Opus. I watched him on Mork and Mindy and Cheers as a kid, Murphy Brown. It was a very surreal experience. And we met and we became long lost uh, fraternity brothers, even though I didn't go to college. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you gained brothers out of that as well? Yes. Yeah, so I not only have Lance, my brother from the Hardings, but Sam and Jake, who are Jay and Sally's sons. Mm -hmm. And it just made my heart grow 10 sizes. I just mm -hmm. I, I there's no difference between them and Lance. We're, we're all brothers and it's and it's absolutely fantastic. And, you know, you brought it up at the listening room. Uh, Dana, I also one of the things about the book was for the first time I was talking about things I've never really learned how to talk about. I had another brother who passed away when I was in sixth grade. He was in eighth and I eighth grade. And I talk about that in the book. I know I'm going back a few questions, but mm -hmm. one thing about the book that I realized it's OK to tell some of these stories that I don't really talk about. It's very healthy to bring some of these things up and it just came out in the book. You didn't even know about it. I sent 10 drafts without that in it. But thanks mm -hmm. to your. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks to uh, your encouragement. It's, it's mm -hmm. all in the book. So I've had a great life, but there's, there's definitely been a, a few bumps, but it, people are really responding. Well, you're a very young man. So my last question, I guess, would be, what do you see next? Do you have songs that are in the hopper? Do you have songs that are in your head? And would you ever want to write another book? I would love to, but I'm really looking forward to traveling. So hopefully I'll be writing songs in Japan and Italy and California again now that, you know, God willing, if, if the world's getting a little bit back to normal, I just can't wait to travel, go back to the Virgin Islands where I wrote Bar at the End of the World for Kenny Chesney, go to New York as much as I can. So I'm just really looking forward to traveling. 
And maybe there's another book in there. I don't know what it would what it would be. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. But as you said, I'm at the listening room. There's magic in the climb. And so for everyone listening, if you're um, whether a young woman or not listening to the Everything Will Be OK podcast, I think that what you can take away from this is that um, worrying about what your next step is, is not going to get you to the next step. You can worry along with living, but you it's, it's, it's just like an extra baggage that you don't need. You can drop it and go on living and everything will work out. It just might not look look like it's going to work out at the moment. And my, that's not very articulate, JT. But I just yeah. I'm trying to explain in a in a yes. in a nutshell what, uh, the, what the my present, book says. The, the present doesn't equal the future. So where, mm-hmm. wherever you are at the moment, don't let don't trick yourself into thinking it's always going to be that way. Uh, you, you just you don't know what's around the corner. You just have to keep working and keep working. And I've found when you follow your dreams you will experience great things when you least expect it. I never thought I would be back in Nashville. You know, I got booed off stage opening for Lincoln Park. My head got cut open by a quarter that someone threw at me. But one person in the audience saw me, got my CD by the tour bus, gave that to someone who said, these songs are great. This guy should come to Nashville. So you're exactly right. It's just one foot in front of the other. And soon you'll be walking out the door like that old special. When I um, when I printed out the pages that you had written as a draft proposal and walked them over to my publisher, Sean Desmond, over at 12, um, nobody threw a quarter at me, I have to say. Um, I, I, but I too, I, I said these stories uh, should be written down. They should be widely read, and I love it that you're getting so many people to read so broadly. Right? I, I think that your audiences are quite a diverse mix of people. Oh, absolutely! I have seventh graders coming up to autograph the book. I'm like, I hope your teacher didn't see this. I have people from Australia writing me on Instagram. I have everyone from my high school. Their kids are taking the book from them. I have. You know, all your entire audience, all of these people from Fox that love it. It's just been incredible. And I never another unexpected thing. I never really thought I would ever write a book. But here it is. It's another unexpected thing that just is uh, coming. It's like, a, you know, I wanted to write songs and I threw the, the rock in the water and all these ripples are happening. You know, hit songs and books and, and shows and concerts. It's fantastic. Girlfriends girlfriends <laughs> no, 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 no new girlfriends yet but yeah but i am going to go down to parnassus books in nashville and stand in front of the big stack of books that are there. <laughs> oh hi uh, oh yeah. hi yeah, yeah I, I, exactly. you should really meet the author <laughs> yeah exactly oh we signed this one. Oh, that's so nice uh, jt um you're like a brother to me and i appreciate you coming on and sharing your great stories party like a rock star i think it's one of the best books of 2022 and it's uh, going to stay that way through the rest of this year thank you so much dana for having me on and to all your listeners out there no matter what where you are in life or what you're you're trying to do yeah just just follow your dreams it's really it's really exciting there's magic in the climb maybe that's the next i book. think that's the song there's magic yeah, yeah. in the climb. I don't know. Yeah. Call, call Celine well, Dion, see what she thinks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dana, All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I believed in JT's book before it was even going to be a book. I'm thrilled that he wrote it. I hope everyone has a chance to read it. It is so well written and memorable. It will just leave an impression on you. And I was just honored to be a part of it. I look forward to seeing what he does next. Make sure you subscribe to this series wherever you download podcasts and leave a rating and review. I'm Dana Perino. Everything will be okay.
This is Jimmy Fallon inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.